Stay tuned for the City Club of Idaho Falls broadcast next on FM 91 KISU. Tonight's forum titled, Why Our Region is Poised to Be the Next Big Growth Story. The City Club guest for this forum on Friday, December 13th, Teresa McKnight, CEO of Regional Economic Development for Eastern Idaho, also known as Ready. We'll first hear some introductory remarks from Jerry Scheid. The moderator for today's forum is City Club board member Park Price. We have what uh, should be a very interesting program coming up in January. Uh, Sheriff Paul Wild and Captain Sam Hulse will present a program on law enforcement in our area. The program is uh, entitled Behind the Blue Line, Gangs, Drugs, and Crime in Bonneville County. Uh, be sure and check our website for the exact date. I think it'll be well worth your time. It gives me a great pleasure now to introduce today's moderator, my fellow board member, Park Price. Since retiring as CEO of the Bank of Idaho in 2015, Park has focused on a longtime passion for education and economic development. Therefore, it's not surprising that he serves as a chair of the board of Ready, the Regional Economic Development Corporation for Eastern Idaho. And in addition, he continues his service as the chairman of Bank of Idaho and a director of the Salt Lake branch of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. In the education front, Park is the chair of the board of trustees for the College of Eastern Idaho and the regional chair of the Idaho Business for Education. Park will introduce today's presenter, Teresa McKnight, president of Ready. Well, it certainly is my pleasure to introduce Teresa McKnight, the CEO of Ready. Teresa was named CEO in June of 2019, following an extensive regional search. We had over 30 applicants, but Teresa's background and experience made her the ideal candidate for Ready. Teresa received her Bachelor of Science degree in Business Management and Administration from Utah State and an MBA from Utah Valley University. Since her graduation, she's been involved in several large innovation district projects over three states. This led to her appointment as the director of the State of Utah Incubation, Enterprise, and Outreach Program, where she created a partnership between the State of Utah and the U.S. Air Force. Teresa's experience is just what Reddy needed at the time. Our previous CEO, Dana Kirkham, had just finished the strategic plan for the organization, and this plan called for a leader who had extensive experience in economic development, and Teresa fit that bill to a T. This is also a perfect fit for her from a family standpoint as well. She and her husband have moved to Pocatello to be closer to her two sons who work there, and most importantly, where her grandchildren reside. There are cards on your table to write down questions for Teresa, so while you write your questions on the card, or when you write your questions, raise your hand, and Brenda will collect them, and we'll get to them after the presentation. So now, please welcome Teresa McKnight to the program. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, and uh, I appreciate, I told Park, go very light on the introduction, don't embarrass me in any way, um, but it is, it's just wonderful uh, to be here with you today, and as the new CEO of Ready, almost six months on the job, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to live in Eastern Idaho and uh, be part of this great organization. So I'm going to be talking to you today about a lot of information. Um, you know, the world of economic development is really changing and it's really um, dynamic in the sense that today more than ever, companies and site selectors are looking for information. They're reaching out to organizations like Ready because they want to look at organizations that promote the region, the assets of the region, because that's important to them as they're looking at relocation possibilities across the United States. And Ready was created to fill that need, to help them. Low unemployment rates 
and the need for a skilled technical workforce are all important critical things that site selectors and companies are requiring as they spread that network out wider and wider to look at areas that would accommodate those special skills and of course the cost of doing business. Eight years ago, community leaders came together and they gathered to look at um, assessing ways to improve economic development efforts. And from the first initial meeting that they had, the idea to create an economic, regional economic development organization arose. And an organization that would create and promote the assets of the region. So leadership could see what was going on in Salt Lake City, Utah. They could see things that were going on in Boise, Idaho. Uh, that continued growth that was happening and they knew that many companies would be looking for areas with the right capabilities and the pipeline of talent to help support um, their requirements and their needs. So leadership believed that Eastern Idaho fit that profile and they pushed forward to prove it. Over the years we've worked really, really hard to do the research and collect the data necessary to help make critical decisions that will impact Eastern Idaho not only over the next five years, but we're projecting out a decade. And I know for those that um, are economists and you're going, you're, you're projecting out a decade, two decades, absolutely. We've got to look, we do know of a lot of projects that are coming down the pipeline. Um, from the federal side, from INL, from FLUR, from the Naval Reactor Facility, from New Scale that's coming in from the Utah side. And so we know that the amount of jobs, uh, not only from the construction side, but from the workforce side, is going to be very dramatic. So we're projecting out and identifying what are the key strengths and assets in eastern Idaho, which we've identified up here in this slide. I won't go through them. The list is impressive. And it really highlights both the size and the diversity of our economy, which from the economic development perspective, that is very, very important and key to economic viability when you diversify your economy. Many inside as well as outside the state are not aware of the breadth of federal programs that we have located in our region. As you know, INL recently celebrated their 70th birthday and their portfolio continues to grow and is much more than just nuclear energy, which speaks volumes regarding the thought-provoking leadership in place and the future that the lab holds for Eastern Idaho. INL continues to be progressive in their efforts. Recently, INL opened two buildings. Some of you may have attended the open house of those two buildings, the CyberCore Integration Center and the Collaborative Computing Center. The CyberCore Integration Center will serve as research and education and training facility for cybersecurity work. The facility brings together federal, state, academic, private industry to jointly design and develop resilient infrastructure that will withstand current and future threats, ranging from cyber attacks to natural disasters. And as you all know, you've probably got one in your pocket, you've probably got one sitting on the table, you've probably got one in your purse. We are becoming an electronic society. And anytime we open anything in that electronic environment, we are tracked, we are viable. We are um, in an area where we are opening ourselves to many things. And so having organizations like this that are staying on top of that to protect us, to use this technology is very, very important. The Collaborative Computing Center will soon be new uh, to INL's two computer systems, the Falcon and the Lemhi supercomputers, and then next year they'll welcome the Sawtooth. And that's expected to be one of the most powerful supercomputers in the Pacific Northwest when it goes online. Both these facilities not only enhance INL supercomputing and cybersecurity capabilities, but it will also serve Idaho's university students and faculty for decades to come. And it also, this is exciting for me, coming from an academic and economic development background, it enhances research and economic development opportunities, which is critical to the growth of any region. The Naval Reactor Facility site is undergoing significant changes as well. They have several projects in the horizon currently, uh, two projects that have been approved, and both of those projects are marked at 500 million each. Another example is the substantial growth on the FBI campus in Pocatello, which is really a testament to the stability of the program in the region. FBI recently cut the ribbon to 100 million office 
$100 million office and data center on their campus. And the center will be an epicenter for the FBI in Washington, D.C. and will move vast amount of data and intelligence at all times, helping to produce intelligent products, thwart terrorist activities, and arrest criminals. And it's important to note that since 2014, the FBI had 110 data centers across the United States. And over the past year, they've been shutting those down so that they could do major consolidation efforts and save money to approve efficiencies. And so far, they've saved $135 million. They've phased out over 100 of these data centers to date, and ultimately, they're going to leave three data centers in place and Pocatello, Idaho is one of those they will leave in place. It speaks volumes, number one, for Eastern Idaho and the people that work there and the talent and the universities that support that workforce. The facility currently has a staff of about 300 workers, but over the next three to five years, they expect to um, grow that another 250 workers. So they will have close to 600 employed um, at the end of the fifth year. So it's pretty exciting for us as we look at the economic viability. This is another important factor when it comes to our workforce pipeline. Few regions have much to offer as Eastern Idaho with almost 50, 50,000 students enrolled each semester in our institutions. Ready works with each of these institutions. Those that perform research at the institutions, again, critical to us, through the research process and uh, what they call a vice president for research and economic development. Then they do what's called technology transfer. They want to get the research out of the university. We call it a push and pull effect, pushing the technology out of the university and into the hands of the private sector. So through that research, they transfer the technology out through commercialization. The private sector commercializes and uses the technology. As people working and running business, you're having real-time, real-world problems that you're facing on a daily basis. And these researchers are finding solutions to those. So the public-private partnership is very, very important as we look at the pipeline of research and as we look at training the workforce of tomorrow. This slide provides a great visual of the large private employers that call Eastern Idaho home. And these businesses are extremely progressive. And through their hard work and out-of-the-box thinking, they've transformed the state of Idaho from an old mining, timber, and manufacturing state to a modern manufacturing, agriculture, and energy high-tech state. And most recently, Premier Technology in Blackfoot held an open house, the completion of a $15 million expansion. And their expansion allows for fully automated process for the handling, storing, and cutting of raw materials. Through our strategic plan, we've identified five sectors. And through those five sectors, sectors, it has demonstrated success and substantial potential growth for Eastern Idaho. They are agriculture, advanced material, energy, healthcare, and information technology, in particular cybersecurity. On the advanced manufacturing side in Eastern Idaho, it's one of those sectors that many sometimes don't appreciate, but it accounts for 6% of the state's workforce. And today, advanced manufacturing companies produce high-tech products and processes dependent on intellectual capital. From the agriculture side, Eastern Idaho is well known for agriculture, but many may not know that 44% of Idaho's food processing happens here in Eastern Idaho. Agriculture has changed. There are driverless tractors through GPS-controlled systems. There are systems that help farmers track moisture in the soil in real time and avoid overwatering and underwatering their crops. There's handheld systems to track animal health, brand inspection, trace livestock, and track reproductive management. I remember moving pipe in my teenage years by hand in those wet, muddy fields, and now we have central pivots and lateral systems that move through controlled systems. If I could turn back time, be cool just to sit there with a handheld operation and move that pipeline rather than standing out there in the middle of the mud with all the mosquitoes at 6 a.m. in the morning. We see great technologies being developed that set the course of change all around us in eastern Idaho and beyond. From the energy sector, I talked a little bit about what is happening um, at INL and others, but eastern Idaho is well known for energy. And the growth potential, however, is enormous. 
and we look at projects coming down the pipeline over the next 10 to 20 years, the small modular reactor, the SMR, is being talked about. It's being um, uh, broadcast in uh, the newsletters and in different newspapers across eastern Idaho. And the amount of workforce, not only from the construction side, but the workforce itself, we're talking an enormous amount. And Park and I were just talking about that. He just came out of a meeting with CEI. And just from the workforce alone, it was over 4,000, 5,000, um, just for the Naval Reactor Facility and New Scale Project. That doesn't include FLUR or INL or other small molecular um, modular reactors that are going to be coming in to this area. Idaho National Lab is on the forefront of battery technology and research and development of reactor fuels that are safer and more efficient. So we're proud of the fact that 82% of the energy generated in Idaho is carbon free, meaning that Idaho ranks second in the nation in this regard. From the healthcare, we are one of the fastest growing sectors in Idaho, in eastern Idaho. Very few cases are referred to Salt Lake City, which was where the standard was in the past. But because we have increased our medical capabilities, we've brought in talent from the outside uh, to man these different facilities who are experts in various fields. A uh, great example of this trend is we have the only burn center at EIRMC in Idaho Falls that covers Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, and North Dakota. So instead of referring patients to Utah, the medical facilities in eastern Idaho are seeing patients referred in from surrounding communities and surrounding states. Who would expect that eastern Idaho is a center of excellence of cyber security? INL has designated as the lead laboratory for protecting large systems like water and power from cybersecurity threats. And we just recently purchased an Alexa, a system that sits on our kitchen cabinet. And every time I tell Alexa what to do, I wonder who else is telling my Alexa what to do. And I think that's a really good example of the importance of these projects, of realizing that when we bring these electronic systems into our home, they can have the potential of being controlled by someone else, but by having these modern technologies and these people on the front line to protect this from happening makes me feel more secure. And of course, my son, being in Pocatello, works for the Department of Justice, so that makes me feel even better. The FBI Center in Pocatello plays a vital role in the investigation and responding of all types of threats throughout the nation and their responsibilities to continue to expand as they employ the latest technology to keep the rapidly changing environment safe. So now, let's get to the cool stuff, which is Ready 2020. Over the last, uh, over the next 12 months, we're gonna be very, very aggressive in our programs to strengthen regional economic development in Eastern Idaho. Our focus right now will be on business retention, business expansion, and business attraction. We really want to dig down deep when it comes to our talent and workforce pipeline, workforce needs, educating our not only current generation of workers, but our future generation of workers. And when I talk about future generation of workers, I'm talking about magnet middle schools, STEM high schools, even reaching down to second and third graders to prepare them for the future of the jobs that are coming down to Eastern Idaho. We'll be talking about transportation, the I-15 corridor from Pocatello to Idaho Falls to Rexburg, and also, um, is it Road 20 that goes out to, uh, to the desert, out to the INL sites? And of course, air service, um, extension of air service and, and broadband are all critical things that will be forming committees and getting people around the table to really dig deep into these areas. Partnerships, public-public and public-private. So city and state and federal working together from the public-public side, but also city and state and federal working with business and industry from the public-private side. Community outreach and quality of life is very, very important to us. As people move into our area, we need to make sure that we have a sustainable quality of life. It's very important when people move in that sometimes they have the expectations that I want the same things that I left behind. And I think they're going to find when they come to Eastern Idaho, I moved up here from Salt Lake City, Utah. You guys have so much to offer here. And so I don't think that's going to be a problem from that perspective. 
We're gonna strengthen clusters and enhance the supply chain. So we're focused on the five sectors that I talked about, but our objective is to not only look at what we are today, but what we have the possibility of being in the future, the resources and the talents to become. Also, everything we do is data-driven decision. It's not picking up a dart, throwing at the dartboard, and hoping we hit the center. Research and data is critical to the economic viability of a region. So everything we do will be based on numbers and things that we have done, our research to make sure, can we actually do this? And if we can't do it, what else do we need to do to make sure we can align it to get it done? We'll use measurable attainable goals, tracking progress, and full collaboration from and with all of our partners. So as you know, Ready is a 501c6 organization. We rely on private investors that invest in Ready, and that helps us to fulfill our responsibility of growing regional economic development in eastern Idaho. New programs and activities that we've planned for 2020. We do have new investor levels, and uh, we did bring some information if anyone's interested in wanting to learn more about the investment levels and the benefits to you as an investor. But one area that I want to talk about that's very important is called Shovel Ready Sites. It's a new program we're going to introduce, which basically, if you think of, um, you're looking for a home, you pull up Zillow, and you look at all the teardrops of an area around in which you want to find a home. And you click on the teardrop, and it brings up a lot of information about the home. And that's basically what our um, shovel-ready sites are. We want to be able to have first-hand information online where site selectors and companies that are searching to come to eastern Idaho can pull up areas that meet shovel-ready site conditions, which means permitting has been done, zoning has been done, and the infrastructure is in place. If that hasn't been done, that may not be an issue for this company where they have just bare land that they can actually uh, put those items in that are important to them. But that's part of being a shovel-ready site is to have those conditions ready and available. We want to take it one step further once we get the shovel-ready sites together, and that is certified sites where we actually work with the state to put together incentives from a tax perspective that would actually be attached to those sites that will be developed. And that, of course, includes the number of jobs that will be developed, critical to being a certified site. Our Eastern Idaho Roots program, we've had people leave the state um, because they feel there's just no, re no um, opportunities here in Eastern Idaho. And um, they've left. You're going to have those that leave that want to spread their wings and, and just experience life around the United States. But eventually, they meet a significant other, they start a family, and they want to come back and raise their family where they were raised and have the same experience as they did growing up. So the Eastern Idaho Roots is the ability for employers to post open positions on the Ready website so that those seeking to come back to Eastern Idaho have one physical place in which they can search all job opportunities in Eastern Idaho. That is what we're hearing, pretty consistent message from those outside of Eastern Idaho wanting to come back saying, I have to search so many different websites of companies to look for a position. It would be great if I just had one place to go. And so we're gonna take care of that with the Eastern Idaho Roots program. Also, we've started EI Squared, which is Eastern Idaho Incubation Entrepreneurship and Incubation Alliance. We've already started that, and it's all the service providers coming together. We know there's entrepreneurship going on. We know there's entrepreneurs all over Eastern Idaho, but they're very siloed, and we want to open and create an environment where they can all come together. We can look at their needs, where their growth is, their um, capital. It's always that valley of death thing that they experience where they get going and they need money to continue to expand their idea and grow their company. So we brought all the service providers together and we will be putting the entrepreneurs into what we call an entrepreneurial pipeline. So we give them all the resources and assets that they need in order to come out of that pipeline strong and viable and be able to grow and expand. We've got an economic development roundtable group. So I meet with all the economic developers across eastern Idaho. We're all in the same room. We're talking about activities happening in each of our communities and areas where we can collaborate together, areas where we can provide kind of a, a backdoor um, support system as they continue to grow different programs within their community. 
But the thing is, is that all the community economic development people are sitting around the table, working together, sharing openly, and that's what it's all about. We've formed an energy tech consortium, which is basically representatives from the Naval Research Facility, FLUR, INL, NewScale, UAMPS, and any other nuclear company that will be coming on board into eastern Idaho. We're looking at a talent pipeline initiative where we put employers in the driver's seat to say what is it that you need now and in the future for your workforce. Other new programs and activities that we have planned for 2020 is we're updating Ready's website to be more interactive and informational and up to date as far as our marketing materials and disseminating the information out as quickly as we can so that you can check it out and see exactly real time um, stories that are happening online and PDF files that you can download for information of programs and other things going on in Eastern Idaho. We also have yearly county profile sheets. This tracks all of the statistics from the education to the population, from the growing of the young population to the growing of the um, older, more mature generation. And so there's a lot of material, any of these uh, county profiles are six to eight pages of great information that will be online for you to be able to download as a PDF file and use um, as a resource as you make decisions within your area. And then of course, our annual benchmark. We'll have an annual meeting that actually benchmarks the programs that we did, the successes, uh, areas that we um, actually fulfilled requirements that we talked about, those that we didn't quite get there, but be able to identify why we didn't get there, what resources were we lacking at the time to get there. The other thing that we're doing is we're holding quarterly meetings with business, industry, university, and college leaders to discuss workforce needs. And you've probably said, boy, she keeps talking about workforce needs and training, and I just can't overemphasize what we know is coming down the pipeline this is critical. It's critical now versus what's coming. So we've got to get a handle on it. Also, an annual summit. We'll be starting an annual summit. It will be in May of 2020, and it will be called What's Up in Eastern Idaho because that's exactly what's, what's happening and where Eastern Idaho is going. So many things are going on, and we want the nation to understand what's going on in Eastern Idaho. Some of the other new programs is workshops that we're developing. And uh, one thing that I do want to talk about is construction projects. Right now, we've identified the number of construction. And you're probably saying, well, that's not a big deal. But when you're working on federal projects, you have Davis-Bacon requirements. You have federal responsibilities and requirements and training that have to be conducted. So not everyone can work in construction on a federal project. It takes different types of skill sets um, and um, passing different checks to be able to work in this area. So in closing, I would just like to say it's all about results. Eastern Idaho is recognized, and this is what we're moving towards. We want Eastern Idaho to be recognized as a global center for agriculture, advanced manufacturing, energy, healthcare, and information technology. And just in my six months being here and meeting with so many of you great people over that six months, this really is a tagline that I feel really complements you as Eastern Idahoans. Through a strong pioneering spirit, an entrepreneurial culture, and an innovative mindset, Eastern Idaho will continue to grow as a destination for cutting edge business to locate and a skilled workforce to, start to thrive. This is what makes Eastern Idaho. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Teresa. That was, <clears throat> that was a great overview of the opportunities and challenges we have. And that's elicited a lot of questions from our audience. Uh, first one, a lot of people are asking about our infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a lot of, lot of development happening, a lot of people coming in. What are we doing about trying to get our partners involved in, in getting ahead of the infrastructure so we don't try to play catch up? That's why we're forming a lot of committees. 
so that we can get those people around the table to talk about through this energy consortium that I talked about, right now we've got all the key players that are bringing projects into Eastern Idaho. And what we're doing is we're mapping out the timeline of when these projects are coming through. We do know there's projects that have been approved. We do know there's projects sitting out there to be approved. And so mapping what's been approved versus what could be approved um, from the workforce and the construction, then that will give us a point where we can now start to say, what are the housing requirements? What is other infrastructure? So you've got a lot of cars that are gonna be going back and forth on 20 um, on a two lane highway. You get into the summertime and now you've got all the tourists that are coming through that area as well because of the assets that are setting out in that area uh, where a lot of tourists like to see. So, you know, it's important for us January that we're going to really rubber hits the road and we're pulling people together around a table to really now start digging deeper in addressing these issues we know that are coming so it's uh that is where we are and that's how we're addressing it is there anything you want to add park on that no that's good um the other uh, you have infrastructure then you have education so can you talk about the kinds of jobs that'll be here because we've got and 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 importantly uh what is the catchment area? Where will the, these projects be looking for employees? How wide a net will they be casting? And, and what does that look like? And, and will there be opportunities for people that don't have college educations? That's a lot of questions at one time. So <laughs> Take them one at a time and I'll. At my age, I need one at a time. Okay. Um, so let's talk about um, the workforce now based on projections that we've just seen right now. Do we have the workforce here in Eastern Idaho to accommodate current projects that are, are, are here, that are coming down the pipeline that you know, over this next 12 to 24 months? No, we don't. And so we'll be looking at other states to be able to support that workforce, which means that we will have people coming in and moving into our area from out of state. From the construction perspective, because they're short term, then we will have people that will be mobile. Um, I think a good example of this is when I was in South Dakota, developing the research park there. I'll never forget that we had an economic development summit and we had the economic developer of Willingston, North Dakota come and talk to us. And I remember the story that he told of, you know, we were a sleepy little town. Everybody knew each other. Everybody went to bed at the same time. They get up the next day, they start their day, they meet in the post office, they meet at the Walmart. It was just a, you know, just a great place to live. But one night we went to bed and when we got up the next day, there was more than a thousand cars lined clear down as far as you could see outside our community coming in for the oil. We were not prepared. We knew it was coming. We just wasn't sure when it was coming. And he said, and it came, and we were not prepared. And people woke up, and people couldn't get around like they were used to every single day. People that went into Walmart couldn't find places to park because people had come in, taken over the parking lots with RVs and trailers and trucks and cars. People were sleeping in the backs of their trucks, sleeping in their cars. And then they went into Walmart, and guess what? The shelves were bare. It's like a bad movie. Everybody in that room learned a great lesson about, you know what? Preparedness is so critical that you have to not only inventory what's going on from all levels of the workforce, which means the engineers, the physicists, and then those that are computer-oriented or those that do just general duties. All of those people have to be educated when they come into the nuclear field. And so through programs we will develop with the College of Eastern Idaho, we'll be able to train these people to work in all levels of this industry that will be required of them because each one of these companies coming in are all in the nuclear field. And you just don't bring someone off the street. They have to pass um, different requirements to come in to a federal secured facility. And so right now it's inventory. We are doing massive inventory right now to put all that together. That's right. I, I will also say that uh, uh, the construction jobs that she's talking about, uh, 
will be showing up here in about 2024. So there is time for us to, to work on this, and what we want to do is, not only with CEI, but in Pocatello at the College of Technology down there, there's lots of opportunities to train people for skill trades. So there is, but there's no, we, we have to get on this pretty quickly because mm -hmm. it's coming. It's much better for all of us to get those jobs filled by people who live in the region. It's good for the region. It takes pressure off the housing. If we can get uh, uh, our citizens trained up uh, through, uh, 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 in the skilled trades, that'll be, that'll be mm -hmm. very good. And I, I think too, 2024, we do know that there may be a potential for a couple projects to come as early as 2022. Right. So that's the 2024 is the peak, but we'll be ramping up. So it's important if you're exactly right. What are we doing to work with uh, chambers, chambers of commerce? Oh, I, you know, I work with both the Idaho Falls Chamber of Commerce president and also the Pocatello Chamber. We're very active. Ready wasn't as active in the past, but your chambers are critical when it comes to these types of projects. And so we want to make sure that the communication is fully open, that we meet on a quarterly basis, that we understand what each are working in. There may be information that CHIP has acquired that I, I'm not even aware of. And so having that open dialogue and conversation so we keep both educated in all the areas that we're working in is critical. Yep. Uh, how are we, uh, tell us about the, uh, the region. Uh, there's a question here about uh, Pocatello. There's always a concern about Pocatello being part of READY and, and, and joining the regional effort. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Sure. So as you all know, um, Pocatello um, came in uh, to Ready after Ready was established and had, um, had established and moved forward in their momentum. And I've got a great relationship with Mayor Blad and Mayor England. So we want to talk about the Pocatello-Chubbuck area. And as part of the Economic Development Roundtable, John Riggins and Devin Healam, so John is the Bannock Economic Development uh, president and CEO, and Kevin Dellum is a planner and economic development representative for Chubbuck. So again, they meet with all the rest of us, economic development people on a monthly basis. We go around the table at the beginning of the meeting and everybody's got to report on the activities within their community. They are very open. In fact, our November meeting that we had was hosted um, by Pocatello at the Pocatello Airport to talk about um, a cold storage um, transit system that they're putting in uh, to be able to move things through the area by rail, through the rail system, uh, because how that's attached to the Pocatello Airport. I was excited and ecstatic about that, because coming from Utah, some of you know, Utah has faced multiple issues um, with an inland port project. And so they want to be that port, um, like Seattle and others have, which would be the rail system and the air system coming through. And I think by establishing this, this actually strengthens our position to be in partnership with Salt Lake City as they form their inland port. So it's not just about the public-private partnerships and the public-public within Eastern Idaho, but it stretches across um, Idaho. And I think another good example is I was on the job maybe 10 days and I was asked to make a presentation about Eastern Idaho to the Idaho Technology Council. I was nervous, but you educate yourself very quickly. And as I presented, after the presentation, we broke for lunch, and there were several hundred people in attendance. And I remember talking to the regional economic developers that also presented about their region about, hey, do we meet together as a group, like on maybe a quarterly or a six-month or yearly basis? And they said, no. And I said, well, why not? And well, I don't know. I guess nobody suggested it. So it's not just about what's happening within our region, but it's also what's happening in other regions. And how can we cross-collaborate? If there's businesses in their region that want to expand into eastern Idaho, then by darn, I better be at the table and conversations better be going on. Vice versa. If there's eastern Idaho companies wanting to expand into their area, the key is, from economic development perspective, is we keep the companies in Idaho whether it's on the west, the south, the east, 
wherever it may be. Very good. What are our, probably our two or three biggest challenges or weaknesses that you see that we want to work on and see what we can do to improve if we're going to become, realize all the potential that's here? Our workforce needs. I'm not, um, I don't want to ever be in a position where I leave anyone with a negative connotation in regards to our education system. That is not my intent by any means. But I do want to point out that there is, there is a shift, there is a change that's occurring. It's occurred. It's just now coming into Eastern Idaho and it's called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. In the first Industrial Revolution, it was all about steam plants. In the second generation, it was all about electricity. In the third Industrial Revolution, it was all about computers. In the fourth, it's all about biological systems, cybersecurity, what the human body can possibly do when we take stem cells out of the body and create a bone in which we replace that bone back into the body. This is the fourth industrial revolution. And so with that in mind, we already know it's occurring in parts of the United States. It's just now starting to come into Eastern Idaho. Educators, not only from K through 12, but also from 12 to 16, need to sit down and say, are we prepared for this? Another good example is a gentleman from Europe talked about a young man, 18 years old, that they gave an award to, similar to um, uh, the Nobel Prize Award in Europe. He's 18 years old and he figured out how to increase the yield of a seed. And they interviewed him and said, how on earth did you figure out how to increase the yield of that seed? He said, I perforated the seed to get it to produce higher. Well, how did you figure that out? He says, I've been watching YouTube since the age of 12. I taught myself, I figured it out. These kids are so sharp. I have a seven-year-old grandson that actually can sit down and he can code. This is what's coming up. And so we need to make sure from the education side and from what's coming up that we stimulate those minds. When I was at Utah State University, we created an intercollegiate high school, grades nine through 12, around STEM. When the kids got out of school at 1.30, we actually met with them and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? This should have been determined way before ninth grade. But one young man said, I want to be a chemist. I said, great, I've got three startup companies working in chemistry. Let me talk to the CEOs. This is the areas they're working in. Where do you have most interest? And he said, oh, this company. So I talked to the CEO and the CAO said, absolutely, I want to be a mentor. Let's bring this young man in. We'll set him at the bench. He can perform the chemistry, work with the equipment. And sure enough, within the first week, that kid latched on just an hour a day and said, I want to be a chemist. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, what do I need to do from the educational perspective? Those are the opportunities that we really need to create. So that is why we're working and we'll be working with all the educators to say, we need to get on top of this and are we? And if we're not, what can we do to change that? So uh, education obviously is a key, uh, one or two. The other one is infrastructure. We've already talked about that. Uh, and in the, uh, there's a question here about air service. Mm -hmm. And uh, what can we do about air service? Or what is being done about air service? Air service. I found out the first week on the job that's a touchy subject. <laughs> Just because you have got so many people from the outside that are, why can't Pocatello do this? Why can't Idaho Falls do this? And I have to tell you, it's really not up to Pocatello and Idaho Falls. It is being driven by the airline service providers. And they come in and they tell communities what they will provide and what they will not provide. What needs to happen over time is that if new providers come in and new connections are made, that we as a community support that so they will continue to provide it. Because the minute the numbers fall down, they're gonna pull it out and they won't bring it back. So it's really a double-edged sword 
of not only the cities working as hard as they can to get more air service providers here and more connections here, but it's being driven by the airlines and we just need to support the cities in helping them to make that transition for the air service to agree to provide the service and to provide the connections. So speaking, thank you. Uh, speaking for about educating not only the kids but the, the region, there's a question here about the STAR position, Science, Technology, and Research Program a position that we uh, are uh, working with and ready. And can you talk about the uh, where we are with that position and what we're doing? Sure. That position will be posted here, um, we hope, within the next month. Um, it's being reviewed right now. And basically, the important piece of that position is I can't be in all places at one time. Maybe in the future, um, you know, I remember as a child, bewitched, I remember when I was walking home eight blocks from elementary school every day, I used to think, God, I wished I was bewitched, I could just wiggle my nose and I'd be home. Or I'd wiggle my nose and I'd be at school and happen to work, walk through the snow to get home or to get back to school. But I think that, um, give me the question, the star position. Yes. It's important that that person really stay on top of what's happening from the nuclear side. There's a lot going on in Washington, D.C. There's a lot of meetings being held in Washington, D.C. As much as I would love to fly back and forth to Washington, D.C., that's just not, um, I just don't have the time to do it all. So the star position will be the representative reporting to me that will be on top of all of the nuclear things that are coming down from Washington, D.C., and make sure that eastern Idaho is represented it's very, very competitive. You've got Argonne, you've got all of these national labs across the United States. And so we need to make sure that the voice of Eastern Idaho is represented, not only from each of the lab directors, but an outside agency like Ready uh, to speak on that behalf. Yeah, that's uh, uh, the, just, just to get the information out to all the communities that are about the opportunities that are existing for science, technology, research. Uh, that job is, is enormous, and as uh, Teresa said, she can't be everywhere, so we're looking for someone that'll be able to explain that, so when an issue comes up, all the communities will be aware of what, uh, what the importance of these issues, these, these projects. Um, there, we, we've talked about the region, but the, we also have a, a big, um, area that's the Schoenbanik mm -hmm. uh, tribe area out there. What are we doing to try to uh, include them in our discussions? They're part of our community. Uh, they are very open uh, to um, partnering with us on different ways. Um, for instance, they have interest uh, because they have a lot of entrepreneurs in that area that are creating crafts and other things. They are looking at an uh, incubator creating an incubator for startup companies. And so we're having conversations with them. We want to work with them. We want them to be part of the economic development. As you're going up I-15 corridor, you go through Fort Hall. They're part of our region. They're part of our communities. And um, my mother always had um, a lot of uh, uh, Native American friends that came to our home. And so I have a soft spot in my heart for the Native American people. And so, you know, it's a goal of ours to make sure that they feel like their voices are being heard um, and they are part of our community in every sense of the word. In talking about, uh, there's a concern with all this is coming along and realizing that agriculture is an important part of our economy. Mm -hmm. uh, what impact do you think this development will have on, will, will we begin losing all of our ag, ag uh, uh, land due to expansion of residences and and municipalities and uh, uh, businesses coming in is that a concern the great thing is is that you can look forever and see a lot of agriculture land so we'd really have to explode drastically overnight for us to fill up the agriculture land that's 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 available some of the agriculture land will be lost. 
Um, a good example of that is when I created the first research park in South Dakota, I created on a 125-acre ag experiment station. We physically picked the ag experiment station up and moved them to another 125 acres deeper in the Brookings-Volga area where they have better soiled conditions and water conditions so it actually improved the yields of those crops. Those are things that we want to look at of saying what is the impact to this agriculture land if it is developed. Okay, good. Last question we have is uh, there's been um, uh, different views in our region about growth. Some think that's a great thing. Some people feel, oh, we're losing our quality of life. Mm -hmm. It's not like it was. What would you say to, uh, to those that uh, fear economic development or fear progress uh, and loss of their uh, standard of living or their, the life as they know it? Mm -hmm. Folks, it happens everywhere. You're not alone of having those feelings. My remark to you would be, it's going to happen, whether we like it or not. It's just going to happen. What the key factor here is, is to make sure that we are ready, we have planned well, that we're not in a position like Williston, North Dakota, where we're caught off guard, We've planned, we've secured ourselves, and we're ready for it to happen. But it happens in a positive growth pattern rather than a hodgepodge negative pattern. So it is going to happen, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, but we wanna make sure that we're on top of it and it happens in a healthy direction. Very good, thank you. Let's give Teresa a really warm applause. Thank you so much. And, and you are awarded the City Club coffee mug. Thank you very much. An audio archive of all past City Club forums is available at ifcityclub.com slash forums. Visit ifcityclub.com for information about upcoming programs.